evening and welcome to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin Matt Costa. It's just the two of us. It's like old times. Like the last time you made that joke. Right. And I sang <laughs> just the two of us. You did. That was only a couple weeks ago, right? I can't keep track. Anymore. I can't where, keep track. Where is anymore. everybody? We, we have episode numbers and I, who knows. Isn't this supposed to be like a cast of, of thousands on the show or at least at least four or five? Uh, a few. Yeah. yeah, there's a few people, a few other people on the show. Yeah, nah. where are where is everybody? Let me let me wait. Wait, wait. are you going to go to that wide shot? Yeah, yeah. show yeah, how empty the studio is. It's just us. It is just us. We have this beautiful wide shot for nothing. Uh, Stephanie, do, Stephanie's have, with uh, um, Dustin. We know that. We do have plenty of gummy worms and. Um, I don't know about you, but I have a stomach ache because I brought all these gummy worms. Because you ate all the gummy worms. Well, I brought all these gummy worms, yeah, and there's uh, nobody here to share. So you've just been pounding gummy worms? Yeah, I haven't given you one. You have not? None. But to be fair, I was eating a gigantic bowl of soup. (laughs) (laughs) Which is great. It's great. Just two things that go well together. It's like, how do you prep for the show? I just eat a giant bowl of soup. Right. That's what I do. That's that's the first time, I think, in... uh, you know, almost what twelve, almost thirteen years of doing the show. How many? Mm-hmm. What what anniversary is this going to be? Two thousand six. Twelve. Mm-hmm. So this will be our twelfth anniversary coming up in January. And in all these years of doing the show, I don't think I've ever had a big bowl of soup prior to the show. But maybe this nope. is the, maybe this is the new tradition. Hey, two thousand seven, uh, two thousand eighteen. <laughs> we don't we don't even know what's going on right it's now. A year year of changes. Big changes. Big changes coming up. Big things. Welcome to Spooky South Coast, where we talk about the paranormal and food each and every week. And, uh, of course, we also stream live on our YouTube channel. And if you tune in right now to however you watch YouTube, whether it be through your smartphone, your streaming device, your laptop, what else? How else can they get it? Through uh, uh, Roku, mm. all those things. You Chromecast. mentioned the, the cable box. The Xfinity mm-hmm. cable box is now a possibility. That's uh, a lot of folks are starting to watch us Saturday nights through their Xfinity cable boxes, and uh, and of course through the Spooky South Coast app as well. So there's so many different ways to to get the show, but you can watch and you can join in the chat. There's folks in the chat room already. Want to say hi to everybody there? We always have a good audience, a good group in there every Saturday night. You know they. They talk about what's going on in the show, but they also chat back and forth with each other. That's the best part about that. And you never know where the conversation is going to go, and you certainly don't know where the conversation is going to go tonight because this is one of our paranormal potpourri episodes where we are just going to be talking about a variety of different things. We don't have a guest scheduled. We don't have half the spooky crew here. So as I was saying before, uh, Stephanie is at her event with Dustin Parry tonight. They are at the Blackstone River Theater. And Moniz, I don't know where Moniz is. He's out in the ether somewhere. Yeah, he might be. Uh, he might be working on some sort of secret so, project that he can't tell I, us about. I heard he's uh, he's hiking the Himalayas. He's out there looking for those uh, right. those Yeti bears. Yep. We're gonna get into that for sure a little bit later on tonight. Uh, I wish he was here because you know we could actually use the guy that has done DNA research on Yeti Bigfoot samples, not Yetis. I don't think he's done actual Yetis. I don't think he's done Himalayan Yetis, but I know that he's done research on Bigfoot samples here in North America. And uh, so he could have used his expertise, but that's all right. We'll 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 catch up with him at some point. 
And uh, we will also take your calls as well throughout the show at 508-996-0500, 877-996-1420. Those are the numbers to call in during the show at any time with whatever is on your mind. It's going to be kind of paranormal open lines tonight. If you want to call in with a question, if you want to call in with a comment, if you want to call in and share an experience, we will be willing to listen to all of that tonight. And we're also going to bring up a a few topics ourselves as well. I I put it out on social media earlier today, and I said, how, you know, where would you like to see the conversation go? What kind of things should we talk about? And so uh, we did get some some responses from folks that way. So we'll, we'll probably hit a lot of those topics. Some of them might not be things that we necessarily want to bring up and talk about, but some of them are also pretty good ideas and pretty good questions that we can get kind of deep on. So we will uh, we'll certainly expound upon those throughout the course of the program as well. But again, if you want to call in, the numbers are always right there on the website, 508-996-0500, 877-996-1420. And uh, we'll keep an eye on the chat room as well. But it's just myself and, and, and Matt Costa tonight, so we don't have somebody completely running the chat room. So we might miss right. some things. So if there's questions that you need me to ask, that, that you need me to answer, you know, don't be afraid to ask them a couple of times if if it seems like I'm ignoring your question. You're really going to town on those gummy worms. I can't help it. I don't There's real juice in those. Real juice in the gummy worms. Like like 100% fruit juice? Um, Or like some kind of a juice? This is some percentage of juice. <laughs> it doesn't exactly say. It just says it contains the, the, juice. Now, where are those from? I don't think I recognize the um, brand. I think they're Catawba. I don't know. Where did you purchase oh, them? Oh, I got them at a uh, a Family Dollar. Oh, so you know that they're they're first rate gummy worms. That's a hundred percent real juice. And they're from Mexico. I got to get them get them while I can. Mexican jumping worms. <laughs> I got to get them get them while I can. That's <laughs> true. Before the wall. Once that wall's up, the gummy worms are. That's actually one of the things they're trying to keep out of the country. Is, is the, the, gummy, gummy the gummy worm cartels? <laughs> <laughs> right now, right now, there's a Pablo Escobar of gummy worms, just uh, you know, holding up piles of. You know, he's got like two huge piles of gummy worms in his hand, saying, "Say hello to my little friends." <laughs> so Some, same someday I'll be there. You're the gonna gummy worm card. You're, yeah. you're gonna Pablo join the Escobar. cartel. You'll, yeah, you gotta have dreams. I don't blame you. I, uh, I I definitely will support those dreams, as long as uh when you know as long as you give me the free gummy worms. If I have to pay for it, then forget it. I know the first the first of free. The first gummy worm is always free. That's how it starts. Uh, so, but we will cover uh, a variety of topics. But one of the things that uh, we've been remiss in doing here on the show, and, and that, I feel like we should probably take a few minutes now that we're not up against the clock with any kind of guest coming on or anything. Uh, we should probably let people know about all the different things that we put into place over the last, especially over the last year. I mean, you have kind of revolutionized the way that we've been doing things with Spooky South Coast and Spooky TV, that sometimes we just kind of take this stuff for granted. And we don't tell people on the show all the different things that we, we want to tell them. And uh, one of the things that you have done to great success uh, this year has been the idea of the, the Spooky Clips on YouTube. So sometimes people listen to the show live, and they say, you know, I already listened to that show, but spooky right. clips are a great way to go back and kind of... Right. It goes, it goes back to the, the gummy ones. You get that little piece that's for free. Right. Exactly. But, well, but in this case, the uh, the full episode is also for free. Right. But, um, I mean, there's two hours of paranormal talk, so, I mean, there's bound to be piece, bits and pieces of the conversation that you might miss, or... Right. <clears throat> I got gummy worm in my throat. <laughs> 
uh, that, that you, um, you you may want to take another. It, it may it, you may like watch it again and um, see at it from a take it from a different angle. Or, sure. Uh, you know. And when you're hearing it, like you're thinking in your head, you know, your own thoughts and your own ideas and feelings on the topic. Mm-hmm. And this is a chance to kind of go back and say, well, wait a minute, let me listen to that again and see what that perspective was. But also, these things work as great conversation starters. Mm-hmm. So, like, all right, we're talking about it on the show tonight, and we go back and forth. And we might take some calls, and we'll get some chat room comments. But you can take that little clip from your, uh, you know, you can take your idea to your Facebook, your Twitter, your social media, and share that little clip out and ask your own friends and followers what they think about the topic and use that as a conversation starter. We're we're more than happy to help you start conversations as well. So there's those are highly shareable. That's the idea behind those clips, to share them and keep the discussion going all week long so that even if you didn't get a chance to comment on it during the week or get your friends to, to listen in and comment on it, uh, on Saturday night, you can still keep it going during the week. And one of the other things with the YouTube stream mm-hmm. and the YouTube channel that we have set up is that people can get automatic alerts for when we go live. Right. So if, you know, you're wondering, is Spooky South Coast on tonight? Uh, am I missing something? How come when I go to the chat room, I'm not seeing anything? When you sign up for, you have to subscribe to the channel on YouTube, which we hope that everybody does. And uh, we're right. at one point six thousand followers right, right now. And, on and also, um, it's it's if you're familiar with Facebook, uh, YouTube kind of has a similar um, system where they they have a little a bell as well, so you can turn that on and off. So whether um, um, if you don't want to get like the live notifications, but you just want to follow us on YouTube, you can do that. But if you click the uh, the bell, then you'll all you'll get the notifications when we go live, when we post up new videos. Um, I think when we have a set, so if we like like videos, you can check out like the stuff that we like, stuff like that. And I want to thank uh, the Paranormal Pirate for sending me some Snapchat clips. Oh, nice! Uh, while he's watching us on the live stream, he's got the little three dimensional cartoon characters, like <laughs> oh, great. it's like a chipmunk dancing on my face. That's great. Yeah, so I'd put it up there on the thing, but who knows? I, I can't guarantee that messages won't come through my phone that we don't want to have on the screen. Uh, but, yeah, so that's the great thing about it is you can get those alerts. Now, so we have 1.6 thousand subscribers on YouTube. We had 1,666 today. Oh, yeah. creepy. So here's what I want for our anniversary and for Christmas. You know, we have uh, we have Christmas coming up. We have, I think, has Hanukkah started already? I think Hanukkah started already. Uh, we have uh, our anniversary coming up at the end of January. January 26th is our anniversary. By that point, I want us to have 2,000 subscribers on mm-hmm. YouTube. Do you think we can hit that? I think we you can. you think we can hit another you know, 340-something, 344 right. yeah. between now and then? So if you're a fan of the show, go to YouTube, subscribe to the show, get those alerts. And also, if you sign up, you can get alerts from our website as well, too, from SpookySouthCoast.com for whenever we put up new events or whenever we have anything. Uh, I know that you share uh, the, you know, you put the posts up with right, the show. Right. Do you send out alerts for those, too, when you have a new post up? Um, I Right now, I only do it for um, the new episode. Okay. So there you go. So you mm-hmm. can sign up there as well. So th- this is this is a good way it's, it's, to... It's kind of like whatever way you prefer. Some people like it, like the notifications on your uh, on the website because you get those notifications um, 
say you're you're a desktop user and you get those those little flags that come up on your um, on, in your browser, or if you are a YouTube user and you you prefer that way, get that. If you want those notifications for Facebook, we're all over the place. Right. We try to put this out as many different ways as we can so that it's easily consumable. Like we don't want you to have to go around and search. It's cool to have it if you all are, and, and I'll address, calm down, chat room. I'll address <laughs> what's going on in there right now. Uh, but if, you know, you know, it's it's great to have everybody kind of filter into SpookySouthCoast.com, but we, we're realistic. We know that that's not the way that it goes anymore. The Internet has changed. The way people use the Internet has changed. Mm-hmm. You know, in 2006, when we started doing this, and for the first, you know, four or five years of the show, we became all consumed with having, like, the perfect website. The website was where everybody was going to go. The website was how we were going to get the word out about the show. And things have changed. We've, like we've right. said before, like, the website is kind of, you know, it's still important. Right, but it's, it's nice if you go there. It's our home base. Right, but it's not the only way that people are, are getting the content anymore. Mm-hmm. So we need to be able to kind of pivot to what it is that they want to, where they want to get the, the information from and where they want to get the entertainment from. And so that's why we're trying to do this. And, and those of you who have been on this journey with us for all these years, you know the struggles that we've had with trying to get video out there to you. You know, you know all the way going back to uh, just the, the webcam on the laptop, the, uh, the mini-cam or the mani-cam mm-hmm. as we call it. Uh, we had, you know, all these different ways, stick cam, live.com, live streams, all live these streams. different, Ustream, Ustream yeah. all these different Justin services. TV. Yeah, Justin TV, I think was like one of the first ones that we used. So all of these different ways that we have done it over the years, we finally think that we've got it perfected. At least we hope so, because we sold the radio station on the idea <laughs> right. of using YouTube full time. So, so now we think we've got good quality pictures. We've got... Easy access for people on a variety of different methods, variety of different delivery devices to get the content. This is how we take over the world. So there's there's a, a conversation going on in the chat room, which uh, they, you know, they they think that we're ignoring. But you know, we th- this is a radio show. This isn't a podcast. Just a podcast. This isn't just a, a streaming mm-hmm. show where you know we we can just read questions from the chat room and that's it. Like we. We've got to be able to multitask here. But I am seeing the, question, the, 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 the points that are being brought up. And the suggestion is that when people in the chat room have questions, that they write them out in all caps. That's cool with me. That's cool with me, too. I still can't guarantee I'll see it, but right. I know that when I scroll, go back and scroll through looking for questions, if I see something that's in all caps, it'll catch my attention. So if you want to do that, that's fine with me. Absolutely. We'll, uh, we'll tell Stephanie about that next time she's in <laughs> right, 2018. Right. Okay, I was gonna I was gonna ask you off air, but might as well do it on air. Do you, um is it dangerous? I'll ask the chat room people too. Is it dangerous to bring you guys your conversation up on the screen? Dangerous to bring the conversation up on the like screen. on the stream. On the stream. Wait, like the chat room stuff on there, like what they're talking about. Oh, like you want to you want to take the chat room and yeah. make it a visual on the mm. video stream? I don't see a problem with is that, that. Dangerous? I don't see a problem with that. I think it might get. Redundant for the people that are actually in the chat room watching the chat room next to the chat room. If that but makes people sense. who watch it later might, yeah. might be because once you're just the, gonna you're just gonna eat all those the, gummy worms for the there, show. There's nobody here to help. You're, me. Break, you're breaking the right. rule of not eating on the air. Right. Anyway, might as well so, eat chocolate. Go ahead. It's it's uh <laughs> it's it's. I'm sorry. The gummy worms. Should have done it last week because then it wasn't like on official radio. 
That's true. We were just streaming only, mm-hmm. so we could have done it. But uh, I, I think that that's a good idea, so that people because can we're, we're I mean we're talking about people that are in the chat room right now, right? People who watch it later on YouTube are going to be like, "Who's and, who's that?" And that annoys me a lot with some of the internet shows that I've listened to. Mm-hmm. Is like they're like, this, 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 this is how the show will go. Right? Yeah. Okay, Jim. Yep. <laughs> uh, uh, yep. All right. You know, and like it's when you're listening back, you're like, you don't, it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. And these shows have to kind of stand the test of time, or at least for the people that didn't listen to it live on Saturday, they're going to listen to it on Monday or Tuesday. I'm not saying it's got to go on and on forever, but it'd be nice if it at least made sense to the person that listens to it right. one more time or on the Dark Matter rebroadcast or something. The, the people who listen on podcasts are totally lost. Right. There's some, we apologize to you. That's all right, though. But we appreciate you. We, 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 we were lost ourselves, and we were here when it happened, so don't worry about that. One of the, one of the things that we are talking about with uh, coming forward in the new year, and I'm going to throw this out there to the listeners and, and, and see what they think, but one of the things that we've been talking about is going back to this idea of uh, getting to the roots of some of these stories. You know, uh, there's a lot of single-case studies out there that we could bring to the table. We don't really do a lot of shows where we talk about one specific haunted location and where we say this one location is where we're going to focus on for the entire show just the hauntings that happened here, just the investigations that have happened here, just the backstory that have happened here. These are uh, you know, ideas that people bring to us, but we always say I don't know if that would make a whole episode. You know, sometimes if somebody's written a book and there's, you know, there's already been years of research and discussion into it. But, you know, we've done them before on, like, the Velisca Axe Murder House, uh, on Waverly Hills. You know, we've done episodes on places like that before. But I kind of just get into listening to the stories of places and having people come on and share their experiences there. And if at the end of the show, if there's no more explanation to it or no more value from it of we heard a bunch of creepy stories about a place that we all now want to go and visit i like that aspect of it so i think we should try to bring in some more of those locations so if you are listening and you are an investigator that has access to one of those places or has one of those places that you've investigated before or maybe you're the owner of a place like that reach out to me tim at spooky and let me know you know maybe doing some of these individual location case studies is a good way to kind of get back to the basics of what we used to do because we used to do that kind of thing we used to do a lot of things that we don't do anymore <laughs> I guess so because yeah. we got obsessed with technology and snacks so can you blame us I don't blame us for that but I mean I, there is a lot of uh, other things that we could cover but as I said you know tonight we're going to kind of throw it all open to you it's going to be what it is that you guys want for the show tonight paranormal potpourri we're going to take your phone calls you can call in at 508-996-0500 877-996-1420 call in wherever you are in the world if you're paying attention and listening to the show live now uh, this is a good time to talk and interact we'd love to hear from people all over and uh, you can call up questions comments things that you want to know about us you know, some of the behind-the-scenes stuff of the Spooky Crew, we can talk about that, too. Uh, one of the things that I do want to discuss a little bit later on is that Yeti story that was big news uh, earlier this week, that DNA evidence shows that Yetis are really just, you know, Himalayan bears. So we'll get into that a little bit later on as well. We also have the news with Ashley. She's, uh, of course, she's at Stephanie and Dustin's event. 
but she recorded the news for us. So we will play that in a little bit as well. And uh, we will get to some of these topics that people have posted on social media when I asked the question earlier today about what people would like to talk about. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go around arbitrarily. I'm not going to go necessarily in the order that they were posted, but I will share these. Uh, you know, We'll try to get to as many of these as we can. So the first question that I'm going to go to is actually the last one that was posted on, on the Facebook thread that I put up. Would you investigate in the daytime or only in the night? And where would you like to investigate and why? Well, I certainly would have no problem investigating in the daytime. The problem with investigating in the daytime is that not a lot of people are letting us investigate in the daytime. Especially like these businesses, these places that we go to, these haunted locations, you know, they're doing their regular business during the day. Mm -hmm. Whether they're a store that's open or they're a museum that's giving tours. So part of the reason why nighttime works is because that's when we have access. Another reason why people investigate at night is because that is when, as, as human beings get closer to their bedtime, they're they start moving their minds towards sleep and their bodies as well. So in the middle of the day, if you are sleeping on a normal circadian rhythm and you get up at, say, 5, 6, 7 a.m. and you go to bed at 10, 11, 12 at night, then the middle of the day is when you are probably at your most, um, well, distracted. You know, it's when you're... You're, you're at your most productive, but you're also going in a million different directions at once. At night, as we get closer to bed, we start to kind of zero in and hyper-focus on things. And the good part about that is that we are actually moving towards sleep. So as we're moving our brains towards sleep, we're coming out of the alpha waves and getting kind of into those beta waves. So we're positioning ourselves in our subconscious to get closer to that point where we're just going to be moving into the, into the dreamland. And in that way, our mind is kind of opening up to more possibilities. We're shedding the restrictions of the day. We're shedding the uh, distractions of the day. And then the other part as well is that when we are getting ready to sleep and we're shedding those distractions, the rest of our senses are becoming more finely attuned to our surroundings. So it's easier to kind of pick up on things in the night. So I think people are in a natural mindset of better investigating at night. But some of the best activity actually takes place during the day because Mm -hmm. that's when people aren't paying attention and when whatever is causing this activity is saying, look at me, look at me, I'm going to start banging on the walls or moving furniture or what have you. And so I do think that there's... There's a lot of value to investigating in the day. Now, if you wanted to, you could certainly change your your circadian rhythm, and you could certainly change your sleep pattern and make it so that midday could be when you're at your most alert or you're, you're most ready to experience this stuff. But I just don't think it's going to work like that for everybody. But the answer, the long, the long and short of it is, I have no problem investigating any time of day. It's just a matter of when it can work out. Now. Right. Well, I mean, uh, I, I guess you would have to be, like, the time of day doesn't necessarily matter. Right. It's, it's kind of um, goes to, like, your your mood. I think you have to be in the, 
the mindset, like you said, or the right mood to um, be perceptive to the paranormal. And that's why I say that the one caveat to investigating during the day is it's not just yourself either. It has to be everybody else that's going to be around you being respectful of what it is that you're trying to do. So you do need to still have the same access that you would have if it was, you know, 11 o'clock at night. So if you're going to investigate a haunted library, say, and you can go get the haunted library at night when there's nobody around, or you can go there during the day when the activity is the most prevalent, but there's also going to be a bunch of people using said library, then that's probably not so conducive for the activity because you don't have everybody on board with what it is that you're doing. And that's what happened with us when we tried to investigate the Millicent Library. You know, we were told that we could investigate, but it could only be while they were open. They weren't going to shut down, and they weren't going to stay late for us or give us any kind of special access. So we had to go when they were open, and it and it had an effect. We went when it was a slow time, and there was only a few people around, but it still wasn't, you know, we had stuff going on that we couldn't say for sure it definitely wasn't somebody else because we didn't have control of the environment. We didn't have control of the location like you would if it was something that was being done at night, and you only had it for yourself. So that's kind of one of the one of the pitfalls of that. And then the second part of that question is where would you like to investigate and why? And I get asked this question all the time from people. Uh, they say, you know, where's the one place? What's your holy grail? What's the, the, the place that you want to go to and, and uh, more than any place else? And, of course, I never shy away from saying what that place is. I would love to investigate the Amityville house no matter all what right. happened. Right. But no matter what you believe happened with the Lutz family and what went on, and, uh, and I think Chris Lutz might even be listening tonight, so hello to him. But if the – no matter where you fall on the story of the Amityville Horror, the fact of the matter is those DeFeo murders still happen there. And if you believe Ronnie DeFeo, something forced those things to happen. Something was controlling that family. Something dark and something evil caused those murders. With Ronnie, the likely vessel. Obviously, he's the one that's in jail for it, and but he's going to tell you that he didn't do it. But, you know, still, something moved someone to commit those murders. And so that is an actual thing that happened. The Native American history that's all made up, the colonial history that's all made up, the stuff that happened with the Lutz family, believe it if you want, believe it if you don't want, don't believe it if you want, whatever your feelings is on that, it's still a place where those terrible murders happen and where there's some sort of influence. And I want to see what kind of psychological influence there is as a result of that. Plus, I want to see how true these claims are. I want to see if the things that the Lutz family experience are repeatable. I know that the people who have lived there since have said, nope, none of that stuff's happened. There's nothing going on. There's been no paranormal activity here in all the years that we've been here, but that doesn't mean that it wouldn't happen if somebody was in there looking for it. If something was going, if somebody was going in there trying to interact with it, which, of course, anybody that's listened to the show before, especially the Jackie Barrett episodes, knows that uh, Ronnie has warned me not to do. He said for me to not look into this because it is looking at me. Which was still creeps me out more than I think that's the creepiest thing that has ever happened in the history of the show is when Jackie Barrett said Ronnie DeFeo, the Amityville murderer, uh, had a message for me. 
So, but that would be my place that I would want to investigate. I know with you, Matt, you know, you just, you like to travel. Right. You like to check out cool places. And, and for you, sometimes it's just about having access, not even about like actually investigating. Right. But just getting into places and, and seeing like breaking down the walls. Is, is there a place where you would love to go to? Um, I think, um, maybe, uh, Waverly Hills. That'd be a really cool place to go. I still can't believe in all these years that we haven't gone, you and I. I don't feel like it's that far away either. No. I mean, it kind of is, but it kind of isn't. I mean, it's on our coast. If we go to Kentucky and go to Waverly Hills, there's enough other things in the area that's not that far. Like, if we're going to go to Waverly Hills, there's about five other places that we could hit while we're there. So it wouldn't, it's not like it would be a wasted trip for sure. Um, not that it would be just going to Waverly Hills, but, I mean, there would be plenty of other places to see. You know what is another place I'd like to check out is the Winchester Mystery House. Oh, yeah? Just, just because, get lost in that Yeah, place? I just yeah. want to go and explore it. Like, I don't I don't even mm. know if I necessarily want to. I mean, I would investigate it, of course, but I don't think that that would have to be the only draw. Like, if I went out there for a vacation and I got to, like, just take the tour and wander around and right. I didn't get to investigate it, I think I'd be fine with that. Just going out in there and experiencing it for myself. Trying to think of any other places that really. There's not a lot of places that are like on my extreme like bucket list of like I have to mm-hmm. get there and check it out. But there's I mean, a lot of places that I say I would love to go there and check it out. Well, I I think I would probably want to go to like all the the big uh, the mis- big mysterious places the uh, like the prisons, the asylums. No, and, like well, like. I mean, Stonehenge, oh, like like Easter Island. The like, weird spots. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. The Seven Wonders. Yeah, I'd like to go you to know? a lot of those places. Yeah. yeah. Like just, uh, you know, like the, uh, what's it, the Georgia Guidestones. Mm-hmm. Just go check those out. You know, just to see these at Coral Castle down mm-hmm. in Florida. You know, just did, did, did you go to Florida? I've been to Florida. But not recently. No. Okay. Because I know that you went across country a couple of years ago, but right. you didn't. You didn't. You went across. You didn't no, go down. I avoided Florida. <laughs> well, I was just wondering if you <laughs> if you've ever been to Coral Castle, since we since we talked about it on the show. No, but that's a. I mean, it's an interesting place. Yeah, I would definitely like to check that out. Key West. Mm-hmm. Go down there. Go down and visit Robert the Doll. Yep. You're yeah. like, oh, I just want to investigate some sunny beach somewhere. You know? No, now you sound like the, <laughs> now you sound like the Ghost Asylum guys. <laughs> The, the Hunter Towns crew. Like, oh, yeah, well, we want to go to Hawaii and check right. out some of the ghosts right. there. Hey. Uh, but, um, to find a haunt, uh, a cursed tiki, uh, tiki a totem on the beach. But there are plenty of places where, you know, it would definitely be cool to go, but it's not so much that, like, I have to, it's right. not like it's a it's a, an, an overwhelming, consuming desire. That being said, if anybody wants me to come right. out to I any think- of their events or anything, I'm, I'm for hire. <laughs> I think I think there's uh there's those two categories. There's the where do I want to go in paranormal like an investigate with a paranormal uh, uh, team, and then there's like right. there's the legend tripping. Aspect. Right. Where do I want to have to actually have to right. go do work? Right. And where do I want to just go have an experience? Mm-hmm. And that's I, I will go have an experience anywhere. I'm I'm definitely down with legend tripping at any given time. Uh, and of course, uh, you know the paranormal pirate brings it up. I haven't even been to Animal Rock yet. <laughs> so... <laughs> I probably should remedy that since it's 20 minutes away and I've never been. Mm. Never been to Dighton Rock? No. You're like, eh, it's I a think, rock. <laughs> I think I've been to Witch Rock in Rochester. Witch Rock? Witch Rock. That's right. But I, I, I don't remember if I definitely mm. have been or not. What is it about the rocks? There's always a rock. Like every town, What's, every... Um, you, do, do you want... I mean, do you want my armchair 
yeah. folklorist yeah. version of we it. Two hours. So here's what I'm thinking. Here's why I think that these rocks become places that draw attention and gather stories because they're not going anywhere. So when you have this big rock in the middle of nowhere or, you know, in the middle of woods, mm-hmm. it's not that big of a deal. But when civilization starts popping up around it and it has to stay, then stories will pop up about it. And I'm talking about places like, you know, Witch Rock. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just for an example, I, and I hate to use this example on the radio because I feel uncouth doing it, but in Wareham, Cremeset, have you heard of Genie's Rock? No. I don't know if I should really get into the story on the radio of what Genie's Rock is, but all right. So there's this rock out in Cremeset, out in the woods, where supposedly there was this girl named Genie. Okay. And she went with a bunch of guys out to the rock. Right. And uh, anything that you think that some guys could do to some girl, <laughs> to a girl, that mm-hmm. she would be, you know, willing. It wasn't. It wasn't against her will. She was. She was down with this. She was the. She was the leader of the party, and so everything happened and it all happened on this rock so it's genie's rock so people go out there and you know that's it's, the story okay but is any of this true probably not but the stories come up because the rock isn't going anywhere mm-hmm. so they're going to keep telling these stories so i think that a lot of those legends and lores of of rocks have to do with that but then you also have your true haunted rocks or your, your places where rocks have a certain power, like a Dighton rock, like an Anawan rock, uh, like um, uh, America Stonehenge in New Hampshire, you know, these places where I think that there is that there's that geometric aspect to them where they have an energy to them. And so they have, not geometric, geological. Jesus, Tim, is this your first time talking about things? <laughs> so there's that geological factor of it uh, and... and the energy of the earth coming through them, I think that there is a power uh, to be had in some of these rocks. Hmm. So, uh, pseudonym in the chat said um, that it's a uh, pagan fertility symbol. Oh, absolutely. Which I, I don't think I, I think that's uh, the first time I've heard that. Well, Evan Genie's rock was pretty fertile, <laughs> at least. I, I can't believe we've never heard that story. No. Wow. No. I mean, I could. I'm away, I might too. I could take you out and show yeah. you where it is. Uh-huh. I know. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't say we could use it. I just said I would take you out and show you. But uh, well, there's, I mean, I mean, in onset, there's that um, the rock that's on the beach that was. Uh, I, I don't know if it exactly has a name, but it, it was used by uh, the spiritualist church. Yeah. And I believe it was used prior to that, and I think that's why they used it. And we went to uh, sermons and things. We went to last year. We were in Bridgewater. Uh, for our, our event that we did there, and we were investigating uh, War Memorial Park, and they had Pulpit Rock, mm-hmm. uh, where the where the uh, Reverend Keith gave his sermons. Uh, the so they're, so they're just kind of like the they're just like um, the monuments that no one had to build. Yeah, it's basically. like a, it was like a gathering point. I, I know because I mean, well, uh, partly too. They're they're probably land. I mean, they're landmarks. So I mean, people remember those, and to remember those. A good way to remember a landmark is to come up with a story for it. Now, when when you were living, you lived in Marion for a while, mm-hmm. and when you were living there, did you ever go to um, to the Rock there, to Minister's Rock? Uh, uh, yeah, my uh, was, my house was right there. Yeah, yeah. you were right there. Yeah. So, I mean, I assume like taking the dog out and stuff. Uh, I you... didn't actually go to the Rock, but I did go to the the cemetery that was next to it. So, I mean, that's one of those places where yeah. you know that, that's. I think the Rock was in somebody's backyard. 
or something. I know something you can. Like I know you can get to it. I don't. I know. I mean, I know you can walk out to it if you want to. Hmm. But uh, but that's you know just one of those things where it's a place where people gathered, and right. so it became uh, one of those marking points. So I do think that there's a lot of rocks that hmm. just get things attached to them, get stories attached to them. But there's also a reason why. You know, not and not just for the fact that they're they're good marking points. Are are most of these rocks like um, kind of located or situated near water? Um, is that like I'm not sure a theme? I'm just throwing stuff out there. I'm not sure. Uh, one of the theories is that uh, and and I don't. Da- we should have David Couch for them. I know he's he's the he is the rock guy. He's the rock of rocks. <laughs> but uh, there's. There's one theory, and I, I, I don't know enough about ley lines to really look into it, but there's one theory that a lot of these mythical rocks mm-hmm. uh, are actually on the same ley lines, hmm. and that they're, these ley lines are running through the rocks. So uh, that could be part of it. I don't know. I, I, I find rocks fascinating. Like these, like I don't, it doesn't even matter like if they have a story attached to them. Like, when I see a big rock, I just think that it's cool. I mean, remember when we were driving to Hartford and we saw a turtle rock? Yeah. We just, like, ran out and took a... Was it a turtle or a frog or something? Frog or something, yeah. Frog rock. Yeah. Yeah, it was just... We were like, we got to stop. Got to take a picture. Got to stop. Also, we were new to Instagram at the time, so we were like, yeah, this is perfect for Instagram. We, like, we got to up our game. But, uh, yeah, so there's a lot of of rocks like that, a lot of things like that. Uh, Let's take a look at some of the other questions that popped up uh, here on my... I know this is fascinating radio to listen as I go through my Facebook. But again, if you want to call in, 508-996-0500-877-996-1420. Those are the questions to call in and share with us. Any questions, thoughts, comments, stories, experiences that you want to share with us. Uh, Going back into the post here. So here's a question from Mike. Mike wants to know, what is the best equipment you have used to investigate with? And this is where we kind of have to have the, the little caveat of using, uh, you know, our, our our little disclaimer where the best equipment that you can bring on an investigation is yourself. That being said, mm-hmm. let's talk about some of the external equipment that you can bring with you on an investigation. I think that really, the simpler that you can keep it, the better. Mm-hmm. The more convoluted stuff that you have to set up and learn to use and all that stuff, I think it, while it might look cool, I think it can also lead to a lot of misinterpretation. Mm-hmm. I know that you're not a big equipment guy. Like, when stuff happens with the equipments, you're like, okay, but it's not enough to convince you. Right. I mean, I like, I like, um, I like gadgets and gizmos and things like that. Oh, of course. Stuff that lights right. up. But, um... But it's not. You I don't mean, look goes, at it as as great right, evidence, right? I mean, if you if you compare it to like something like a like a car, where the more things, more gadgets and gizmos that you have on a car, the more things that are going to go wrong with it. It's a kind of the same thing in par in the the paranormal. The more gadgets and gizmos that you have, the more false evidence that you could um, accumulate. So might as well. I mean, if you don't necessarily care about um, capturing that evidence to prove to the world that ghosts are real or, or prove whatever theories that you want to prove, then just go with your gut. And, well, I take my gut with me on every <laughs> investigation. That's why we always have snacks. Mm-hmm. But uh, the the thing that 
I've noticed over the years, and we talk about it at all of our events, is that people get so engrossed with the equipment that they bring because they kind of want to justify the money that they spent on it. You know, you're going to go out and spend hundreds of dollars for all of this stuff, and so you're going to want to take it on every investigation, and then you're going to want to make sure that you use it, and then you're going to wonder why. Well, I'm having an experience, but nothing's showing up on my $400 device that I just bought. You know, and I think that that's doing a disservice to the activity because maybe the activity isn't enough to register on those. Maybe it's not meant to register on those. Maybe it purposely knows what it can affect and what it can't. Mm -hmm. We don't know that. So I think that uh, to to get fully invested in the equipment is is a bad idea because you're losing that personal connection to the experience, which is what it is all about. And I think that there has to be that human side of experiencing it for it to actually happen. It can't just be a blip or a bloop on a device and that's it. Right. I mean if you're if you're too if you're focusing too much on your the lights on your K two meter, you're gonna miss the full blown apparition that's behind you. Absolutely. And we've seen that happen. Where people have been staring down at their equipment and mm-hmm. missing what's right in front like, of them. Like there's a face. ghost looking too, what are you looking at? Right, exactly. <laughs> uh, so but with that being said, you know, some of the devices that I have to have with me on an investigation I mean, I always bring my phone with me because I I have it everywhere that I go. And I will use my phone recorder if I want to record EVPs. Just throw it into airplane mode so you don't get any stray signals and turn that recorder on. And, and I say this to everybody on an investigation. You know, they want to know, what recorder should I buy? What, How much money should I spend on a good recorder? Listen, use the one that's in your phone because if you have a phone that's relatively new, you've got a better recorder in that phone than you can go out and buy off the shelf at Walmart. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying it's as good as the high-end, you know, the, the the Zooms and all those things that people go out and buy, these really high-end recorders, some of those Sony ones that we've seen. Uh, those are obviously going to be much higher quality. But in terms of, like, what are you going to buy to go out and record EVPs, your phone is damn good right. for that. And it's and one of the things, like, I have the, the Galaxy S8. One of the things that I've noticed is that spatially, the way that it plays back the audio now, it's almost like it's surround sound. Hmm. Like I can tell where everybody was in the room by what's going on. So it's it's certainly worth just whipping that out and using that. Uh, in terms of uh, cameras, I use the camera that's in my phone. I don't bring an external camera with me anymore because it's just another piece of equipment to lug around, another pair of batteries that could drain. Right. If I had a fancy camera like you have, or you know, some folks yeah. that have brought, I'd, I'd use that. But I mean, I I don't know about um, using your. Your um your phone is like a a paranormal camera, just because of uh just the size of it and everything. Even though like the phone cameras take amazing pictures now, they still don't. They still have such a small sensor that you need quite a bit of light for it to capture everything. So you might get some like false positives in your phone. It's a good compared point. compared to like a a a good a higher end camera that has a very large sensor. Good point. Uh, one of the other things that I, I always bring with me is, you know, I will bring a K2 meter with me because it's the simplest way to just check an EMF fluctuation. Is it precise? No. Is it as good as a mel meter? I mean, as good as a uh, tri-field meter? No. But it's something that will just at least let me know if there's some kind of a fluctuation and if there's something that's actually, uh, if there's something that's actually giving me the uh, fluctuation. So I can actually follow the path with a K2 meter and say, okay, all right, all right, here's an alarm wire. This is what's doing. You might want to take the chat down before. Yeah, it's too late. It already <laughs> went. 
That's fine. Uh, so there's... Sup. Huh? Sup. <laughs> yeah, what's up? That's all we can say. Uh, so there's... People just think they can say anything in Trump's America. <laughs> so there's there's that aspect of it is, you know, you can use it as kind of like a debunking tool, kind of like a, just a, as a discovery tool to see exactly what it is that's going on. So it's, it's definitely worth having that as well. I can't tell you that there's one, like, go-to thing that I use to have some sort of an interaction because none of these devices are made just for that. They're they're made for other purposes that we're just applying to ghosts. Right. So I can't say, you know, if you go out and buy this, you'll definitely be able to experience activity. I will say that the, you know, the, the big three mm-hmm. to have is definitely, you know, some sort of recorder, some sort of camera, and some sort of light source. Because you're you walking around in the dark, yeah. Right. So you want to you want a flashlight, but you could also use that for investigating as well. Uh, you want to have something to record the audio and to record at least pictures and hopefully video as well. But that's just to document the experience of what it is that you're doing too. Mm-hmm. It's not just about finding anomalies; it's about having a record of what went on during that investigation, so that when you're going back and thinking about, hey, what happened? What was this? You can go back and look at that and say, okay, well, that's where I banged into the wall and didn't realize it. Right. Because that happens to me all the time, especially fumbling around in the dark. <laughs> so there's uh, there's certainly there's, there's certainly some validation in spending the money that people spend on on equipment. You know, you will get some pretty good stuff if you go out and, and buy this equipment. Sure, uh, but I also think that it's not a necessity to have to have all this stuff if you are if you do want to go out there and do this stuff. Just the most important thing to do is, no matter what equipment you are using, know how it works. Mm-hmm. Know what kind of false positives it can give you, like Matt was saying. Know what kind of uh, things can happen and, and know what kind of light reflections can happen. Know what kind of internal noise you know your phone might make. Know that if you don't have it in airplane mode and you get a – and it's not just you, by the way, that has to be in airplane mode. It has to be everybody around you because – if somebody else gets a text while you're using your phone to record, you might get some sort of a, a, a noise or a vibration in there mm-hmm. that gets picked up. So it's it's important to have all of this stuff kind of work together and, and go together. At least it's not like it's not as bad as it used to be. Remember how much our cell phones used to set off everything we were using? Oh right. Like if we got a text during the show, like we'd get that noise in our ears, and right? Like, doof, doof, we don't get that stuff anymore. So even here, uh, uh, before when when we had the old. Um the old video set um, set up. If someone had their phone too close to the wires, if they got a text, it would go over the stream. Right. That's that's why we would get some hiccups sometimes from, uh, and then the chat room would be, the chat room would be would blow up and be like, oh, there's noise coming through. Uh. Right. Which it's, uh, usually somebody's phone that was yeah, they put on the wire or something. And somebody that was usually sitting right next to you. Right. Like, like right next to you. That has two phones, (laughs) and both of them go off constantly during the show. Right. Yeah, I know what you're saying. So, see, this is this is the stuff that we just can't explain to people all the time during during the show. This is like a behind the behind the podcast. (laughs) It is. It's like it's it's definitely our uh, our behind the music episode, a spooky South Coast, and then it all went downhill. Then things changed forever. Right. (laughs) Nobody stays on top forever, and Spooky South Coast never even got there to begin with. Just had one too many gummy worms. The gummy worm <laughs> addiction was real, and it was tearing the Spooky crew apart. 
sure. All right. Well, we are coming up on the news, so we will take a break. Uh, when we come back on the other side, we'll have the news with Ashley. We'll also take your calls as well, 508-996-0500-877-996-1420. I look like the most relaxed like walrus right now on the video <laughs> stream, but you can watch the video stream uh, on SpookySouthCoast.com and on our YouTube channel as well. We'll have a lot more fun coming up in the second hour as well. I'm going to try to get my hands on some of those gummy worms as well nope. now that my soup is <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, uh, I will try to distract Matt long enough to get some of those gummy worms. Uh, when we come back, we'll have some more paranormal discussion uh, coming along on the other side as well. So stay tuned for more Spooky South Coast coming your way in just a bit. The silent assassin Matt Costa. Is, to say that right? Silent assassin Matt Costa? Am I right? Uh, we are here talking about the paranormal as we do each and every Saturday night, doing it old school, just the two of us. Although Stephanie might be stopping by on her way back from her event. Uh, we are going to hear from Ashley with the Weekend Weird coming up in just a minute, but we also have a phone call on the line. And if you would like to call in during the show, 508 996 0500. 877-996-1420, whether you are listening to the show on WBSM or if you are watching us on Spooky TV at SpookySouthCoast.com, on the Spooky South Coast app, or wherever you can access our YouTube channel. Uh, no matter how you are consuming the show, the best way to interact with us is by calling in 508-996-0500. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. How are you? Oh, hi. This is uh, Professor Eric from the uh, chat room. How are you doing this evening? Good, Eric. How are you doing? We just, uh, all right, now we're kicking through. All right. I'm sorry, I was just uh, making sure we were kicking you through the stream. So uh, how's, how's it going tonight? Oh, no, it's going well. I, I, I watch your, uh, your show every Saturday. As a matter of fact, my wife and I both do. We both enjoy it. We, we appreciate she, it. She's, she, she is very much into the mystical, and I'm sort of on the other end, but when you were talking about equipment a little while ago, mm -hmm. and, and this might sound a little odd, but as as a psychologist, I would like to be a piece of equipment. I, I think it would be fun to go on investigations as, as a neutral party, neither a true believer, but not a skeptic or debunker, but to observe the observers, ask important questions. Uh, you know, if you're I've never been on one, but let's say you're in a room and it's night and it's dark and you're trying to be quiet because you're waiting for something to happen. Your mind hates ambiguity mm -hmm. and it will, it will start to create things. So, um, you know, if something happens, it could be paranormal, paranormal, but someone should also say, okay, could something else account for this? Right. And um, you know, critical thinking kind of questions. And uh, I, I thought of seeing if there was a local group that does investigations, uh, but I would, thought I would ask you how you think they would receive 
such a suggestion. Oh, I think that they'd be uh, all for it. Uh, what area are you in? Um, well, I, I teach everything, but my particular area of interest is is, um, is functional neuroanatomy. So how, how, how the brain works, uh, when I counts when I was a, when, I, when I was doing therapy, I, I worked mostly in anxiety and depression. Uh, but now I, now I'm, I'm a, a, just a, a full-time professor. And my you know this um, uh, the paranormal used to be part of psychology and, and we've dropped it, which I think is a terrible shame. Uh, my colleagues will have nothing to do with it. Well, I can't even have a I can't even have a conversation with them about it. Well, one thing I can say is a, a place where you would would be a, a huge help would be if somebody was dealing with a residential case because if they were dealing with an actual you know what what they refer to as the client the person who needs the help. Uh, one of the things that's lost in a lot of paranormal groups out there doing research is they jump right into things assuming that there's a paranormal issue at hand because that's what the person is reporting. But in actuality, a lot of times it could just be something that's wrong with the person, with the dynamics of the family, with the medication that they're taking, all these different other aspects that people need to kind of wipe away as being a possibility before they start getting into the paranormal explanations. Do you now? That's a that's an excellent point that that, that that your client could actually have issues. Uh, is it possible that sometimes members of the team have issues? Yes, absolutely. And I've I've actually had to uh, speak with people that have been investigating with us before about you know if is it something that you're experiencing or is it just the mental state of mind that you're in? If I happen to know what's going on in your life, and it's it's certainly had influences over people before. It's why it's one of the reasons why we won't let people investigate if we know that they're under the influence of anything because it can have those type of effects on people as well. And there's Good just the, the, the important thing, because, see, I'm not, I'm not trying to sell anybody on the idea that paranormal activity is caused by ghosts, and ghosts are the souls of dead people. I think a lot of what we're right. experiencing when we're out there is things that we could be doing ourselves with our own minds. And if that's the case, I want to be able to explore that as a possibility if that's one of the possibilities, I've always said that's way cooler to me than to think that it's dead people just hanging around. Oh, I agree. And I, I also, I came up with this term to describe myself. I, I, I call myself a hopeful skeptic because I see no reason why uh, all of this couldn't be possible. Um, I've just never had a paranormal experience, and I've never been persuaded enough by the small amount of evidence I've seen. Now, where are you located uh, in the in the country? Uh, I'm I'm in. Uh, I, I don't know how well you know the, the Mid Atlantic. Um, I'm in I'm in Maryland. I'm about twenty. Well, okay, I'm about an hour from D.C. An hour from Baltimore. Twenty minutes from um, uh, the PA border, Gettysburg. As a matter of fact, uh, you know the uh, a lot of the battlefields around here. I know that people, uh, not investigative teams, but people like to go out there to see if they're going to experience, you know, dead soldiers. We, I mean, we have a lot of stories in our area about, you know, soldiers that march, dead soldiers that march at a certain time of year. And, and I can you know, tell you, I like know that. 
I know a number of investigators in that area, a number of teams, that if you're interested in getting involved, I can certainly find the right people to hook you up with so that you can get out there and, and experience and also offer some of your own uh, insight and expertise as well. Oh, that was sounds that 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 sounds great. I, I would I would really like to uh, to uh, you know to take a crack at it. All right, shoot me an email, uh, Tim at SpookySouthCoast.com, and I'll uh, I'll get you in touch with some people down that way. Okay, I'll do it. Thank you. All right, thanks, Eric. Have a great night. Too. Thanks. Bye. And that is what we do here. We find people, we bring them together. And then we sit back and we let them do all the work and then just tell us how it goes. Right. <laughs> no, but, I mean, that's that's one of the things that I think a lot of investigators are missing is they're missing the human aspect of what it is that they're dealing with. Everybody wants to jump right into something and thinking, all right, we got this great case of all this activity happening, and they're not looking at the people that are the ones that are calling them as, you know, I mean, everybody likes to think they have a good BS meter. And right. they can tell if somebody is sincere in what it is they're explaining. But, and I'm sure Eric would agree with this too, that sometimes people, they'll sound convincing because they have convinced themselves. Because they don't, you know, there's a difference between believing a delusion and lying. Right. So, if you're lying, yeah, people might be able to figure that out. But if you're wrong in something, but you're believing it, and you believe it wholeheartedly... That's going to come across as a sincerity. Right. That's going to be hard to... Not a lie if you believe it. Right, exactly. George Costanza. Right. <laughs> and, and But that's that's exactly the case, is people will uh, either convince themselves that what's going on is paranormal or they'll want so badly for it to be paranormal. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the biggest telltale things whenever anybody asks me for an investigation is they say, you know, uh, I watch all those ghost shows. And I'm like, ooh, that's... You know, that can go two different ways, the way that I see it. Because that means either you understand enough about what's going on to think that it was worth calling mm-hmm. me and reaching out to me over, or it could mean you just want to be one of those people. Like, you just want to, you want that to be your life. You want that to be, you want to be part of that right, crowd. Right, And so it's it's very hard to tell which way the people want to go when it comes to that. Like I say, there's, there's been plenty of people who have uh, come to us over the years, especially in the, the the early stages, where they would bring us a like a, a an album full of uh, pictures or they show show us pictures on their phone mm-hmm. and they tell us what's in the picture. But they don't they don't tell us about the picture. They just they tell us what they see, which I think is a mistake. And that, but that happens with every investigation where people will tell you what it is that it, they... It makes know. me turn off. I don't know. Like, it makes me kind of be like, kind of dismiss it a little like, bit. Like, listen to the CVP we call you know, it saying, get out. You know, like, it's you're putting in that bias already. Right. Like, as soon as they tell me, like, oh, don't you see, like, the demon face in the, whatever, gravestone? I'm, all, I'm automatically like, well, I guess. And you it's know. very easy to hear... Something. I mean, I see it, but like, I don't know if I would have seen it if you didn't tell me. Right, and it, but it's also easy to like, you know how it is like when you see something or hear something, you can't unsee it or unhear it. Mm-hmm. Like uh, the other day, I forget what it was, but uh, you know, we were we were in the newsroom, Taylor and like, I, and we were like Megan Fox's thumb. Megan Fox's thumb is probably <laughs> the most paranormal thing in the world. But we were we were. Uh, in the newsroom working, and Taylor was cutting up some audio with an interview, mm-hmm. and there was a phrase where the, the person who was in the interview was saying something like, 
you know, they gave me a key, they gave me the keys, and I was, I forget what it was that I was hearing, but I heard it as a certain way, and then once I said it, like, out loud, I was like, it sounds like he's saying this, we couldn't hear anything but that. Right. Even though we knew he was saying they gave me the keys. Mm-hmm. So... It gets in your head. Yeah, once it's in your head, it, there's the, there's just going to be that bias automatically then. So that that can happen for sure. That, that would be that would be great to actually have a uh, psychologist right, on well, staff. I, I don't know if investigation. I don't know if uh, if you were there, but um, were you at the Fearing Tavern the night we did the investigation, and, and Mike Brody was there, the comedian from Minnesota, and it was Jeff, um, and I think myself and Moniz and Andy, and and I think I might have. Sarah was with us, and it might not have been in the same house as you. Well, Sarah was. Well, this was just the Fearing Tavern. This is we weren't oh, doing the other building. Prior, uh, yeah, maybe, this was, maybe I wasn't there. <laughs> this was just an investigation, okay. and uh, and and so we had a, a woman with us who was a psychiatrist or psychologist, mm-hmm. one of the two, and had never been on an investigation before, and so that opened up a whole new avenue for us as experiences were happening. We could turn to her and say, you know, are we wrong? Like, what are some of the other possibilities this could be? Mm-hmm. Because it just gives you another resource. To be able to figure out, okay, you know, even if everybody's, you know how it goes in a paranormal investigation. Did you hear that? Yeah, I heard it. What did it sound like to you? It sounded like somebody yelling, get out. All right, what did it sound like to you? uh, I thought I heard get out too. You know, so everybody heard it, but it doesn't mean that it's not like a that same idea of Mm -hmm. just putting the idea into each other's heads. So it's always good to have somebody that knows how the brain works Mm -hmm. and can understand, like, I never would have thought what, what uh, Professor Eric said there about, you know, just sitting there in silence, the brain doesn't like that, so it wants to hear something. Right. Like, I just, I always thought that if I was dead silent and I heard something, then it had to have been something, because I'm purposely trying to be dead silent. Right, right, exactly. I mean, it's good to have um, uh, that that variety of uh, different opinions and like you said, the, to have someone who kind of knows how the brain works and knows how it kind of like puts things together that that's, not necessarily would go together. That's why when a paranormal team is like, oh, me and a bunch of my friends from work all got together and formed a paranormal team. I'm like, well, that's great because you all work together and you have a good chemistry and you know each other and you trust right. each other. But I also like when a team comes together with a bunch of diversity, too, and says, well, we want people from all different walks of life mm-hmm. because we want people to bring different perspectives and different insights and different ideas into what it is that we're doing. So right. it goes both ways. Well, I think it goes – it comes down – well, it comes down to kind of uh, what you're in it for as far as paranormal investigation is concerned. Like, are you are you out there just to legend trip and have a good time and kind of in- investigate with your friends, or are you out there to do some serious research? I mean, like, it's it's a broad spectrum, and uh, and if and none none are wrong, and like, well, some. Well, I mean, you can be you can be wrong <laughs> in your intention, sure, maybe, but I mean, like, there's uh, I'm not saying like any particular team, like a a, a a group that's doing it just for a paranormal investigation isn't necessarily better than right the the group that's going out there just to have some fun right it's it's as long as you're honest about what it is that you're doing what your end game is right then because I think anybody like if you want to go out and do it do it if you enjoy it have at it so we're going to get into some of the deeper questions here and this was a question that was posted by Rob who was actually uh, with me. When we investigated the 
Reverend Barnard House in North Andover this past October. And we do have another event planned there for the 300th anniversary of the death of Reverend Barnard. We're calling it the Exoneration, where we are trying to get the true story out about the Reverend's actual involvement in the Salem Witch Trials. Uh, but this place, I mean, I've been in a lot of paranormal locations, and I've had some weird, weird experiences in my time. And I don't know what it means, but I can tell you that in the last couple of years, the experiences have been getting weirder and weirder. Mm-hmm. It's almost like run-of-the-mill paranormal activity isn't enough for me anymore. So whatever it is that I'm dealing with has to like go a step beyond I don't mean to like put myself as like the centerpiece of mm-hmm. what's going on in the paranormal, but I'm just saying like these have it's not just enough anymore to see a shadow person. You know, I have that doppelganger experience in, in Winchenden that just still blows my mind mm-hmm. and, and gives me goosebumps. But when we were in North Andover at this location, we're in the attic and and I mentioned it on the show before, there was a darkness in that attic. Now there's two windows on either side. One of the windows actually has a street light outside of it. So we have to kind of do what we can to block that from letting too much light bleed in because we wanted it to be dark. But the darkness in the room got so dark, so thick, so uh, so enveloping that we could not see. We couldn't our eyes never adjusted. We could not, uh, our, our, our uh, guests just arrived too, so they'll probably be coming in momentarily. But it was so, it was so dark, so, and, and thick is really the only word I can use to describe it. Because it was palpable, this mm-hmm. darkness. That even after a few moments of sitting in the dark, your eyes adjust and you can see your hand right in front of your face. If you're going to have your hand like directly in front of your face, Eventually, your eyes adjust enough that you can see it. That never happened. Really? In a half an hour, 45 minutes of being in that room, in complete darkness, we could never see. Hmm. So it was like your eyes were closed, but they were open. You know, I can't even say that because even when your eyes are closed, you know how when you close your eyes, you'll get those like little, almost like pinpoints of light almost like after mm-hmm. images that will show up when your eyes are closed. We weren't even getting that. It was just as if somebody was holding a blindfold, you know, putting wow. a blindfold over your eyes. Just that kind of complete and utter darkness. And, you know, it's it's if I had to describe it, it's like when you've seen a shadow person, and uh, and you've, you've seen a shadow person before, have you, Matt? Um, or, or no? What, I mean... Can I definitively say it was a shadow person? Probably not, but I mean, there's there's been some weird shadows and things. But you're here fam- and there. you're yeah. familiar with the idea that right. the shadow, when it's a shadow person, it's almost it's devoid of light, and it's and it's darker than what's mm-hmm. behind it. So it's it could be in pitch black, a pitch black room, but you'll still see something darker than the darkness, right. standing three dimensionally in front of you. It's almost like the entire world was a shadow figure, hmm. like that level of darkness and blocking out all. And, and maybe it was like you were saying. Maybe it was like just an a, a avoidance of light. So I still don't know what it was that caused that. I know that the activity that started taking place was uh, kind of on the negative side. Mm-hmm. But I've never had that kind of an experience where 
it became just that pitch black. And it happened not once but twice. So, you know, we're, we're up there for it's probably about 45 minutes, the first group. And that went on. And then the second group came in after we had taken a break. The second group comes up, and we spent over an hour in there. And we never had our eyes adjust. And it's it's dangerous. It really is to, like, sit there in that type of – especially when you have people around and, you know, you're you're trying to move around here and there. It's almost like you're in a uh, deprivation chamber. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly what it felt like. Like it was trying to make sure that of all the senses it could erase, like that one was the, the easiest one. Mm-hmm. So it, it, I don't – I mean, do you think in uh, situations like that are, is better where you, you're – you're kind of open to the possibilities, or do you think you're, in that particular case, your your mind is kind of running away? Well, in that creating things. In that instance, we were all convinced that it was something causing that. Mm-hmm. So nobody thought we were just like in a situation where that was happening. Well, we thought was something there, was. Oh, was there uh, an incident that happened because of that? We think so. We like think that, that the uh, the spirit that came through that this was part of its mm-hmm. manipulation. Uh, so it's, I like, I want to go back. Hey, uh, you guys, did you guys have any, uh, you guys didn't have any light, well, obviously, you didn't have any lights on, um, any other, like, equipment going at the nope, same time? We, when I do this, I turn off the devices. I mean, just throwing, throwing a wild theory out there. Maybe, we did, we did turn stuff on as we went on. Well, as, maybe, as the night went on. maybe because, um, like that, because a, uh, an entity needs, energy to manifest itself it was absorbing whatever light energy that was around like could very just, well be just kind of that's a great theory making it totally dark that's a great theory we did pull out some devices um i i was running echo vox on my phone mm-hmm. but i closed the flap on my phone so that there wouldn't be any light so that nobody would catch anything from that um so we did have a few light sources that we turned on here and there, but it was definitely definitely making it darker mm-hmm. than it needed to be. So that could absolutely be what was happening, is that it was taking just that light energy, as one of the energy sources. Uh, and it got it got pretty pretty um, pretty rough, especially with some of the women that were in the room. Mm-hmm. So I will be going back next October and I and I I'm friends now, friendly now with the, the guy who lives there, the caretaker. And I'm going to ask him, like, one of these nights in the off-season, like, dude, can I just come by and go up into that attic and just see if it happens again? And uh, because it's just – it was that mind-blowing to have that experience. Uh, Professor Eric in the chat room, I'm not sure if it was a question or if he's yelling, but he asked if it was if it was frightening for you. It was, it was uh, unnerving. It was absolutely unnerving for everybody in the room. Nobody was really scared. Uh, nobody was really terrified. And uh, and pseudonym just pointed out the eyes will not adjust if there is no ambient light. Well, that's the thing though. There was ambient light. There was the light coming in from those windows. Mm-hmm. So there should have been at least enough of a light source for us to adjust. And even so, your eyes will still adjust to some degree if there's no ambient light. So you'll be able to see your hand an inch in front of your face and make out at least the the dimensions of your hand. We have enough of a night vision to at least see a little bit in front of us mm-hmm. and that wasn't happening so it's 
it, it wasn't it wasn't scary. It wasn't frightening. It was just it didn't feel right. I'd be interested to see if um, if you had any infrared cameras or anything that was going at the same time. Oh, we definitely will next time. Yeah, uh, that'll that'll be a definite possibility. Um, we will certainly bring now that we know that that's what'll happen. We're going to bring as much as we can to make that, uh, you know, to, to be able to prove it one way or another and to, to be able to kind of document that as best we can because it's like nothing I've ever experienced before. So, all right, well, I think what I'm going to do now is uh, we will go and do the week in weird with Ashley because we've got uh, Stephanie coming in. So we will play that and we'll be right back with more Spooky South Coast after the week in weird. They don't have any connections to these stories, or, like, they don't connect to one another. They're kind of all over the board this week, but I found them all interesting. My first one is, do you ever find yourself up at midnight and think, hmm, maybe I should play a game? Well, I have the top seven paranormal games to play in the dark. Number seven being my favorite. One, the midnight game. Two, three kings. Three, the closet game. Four, one man hide and seek, which I'm still kind of, uh, about. Five, Drive Bones. Six, The Other World. And clocking in at number seven is Bloody Mary. It's quoted from the article, Bloody Mary is one of the most famous paranormal games in existence to this day. We've all heard of the urban legend based upon Mary Worth, a child murderer. But have you actually tried it? The object is to summon her spirit, much like the closet game. This should probably only do once, and then you should move out shortly. That's what the article says. I don't know if she go that far, but we'll We'll see. But then you summon Bloody Mary to come into the room. You stand in front of my mirror with a candle lit, and you say her name three times, and she should appear behind you. I tried this as a child, and it failed miserably. So let me know if anyone else has done any of these games. I found all the, the three stories that I'm talking about on theoccultmuseum.com. So check them all out. My second one being... 25 people share the scariest stories from their hometowns. I love hearing about urban legends or hometown stories, so when I came across this article, I couldn't pass it up. There are 25 different stories in this article, but the one that stood out to me the most had to be probably the the title of it that struck me. It's called Charlie No-Face. Raymond Ray Robinson was a severely disfigured man who lived for years in Pennsylvania and walked the streets at nighttime. Robinson was severely burned in an electrical accident as a child and he could not go out in public in fear and creating panic. So he went for long walks at nighttime and local tourists would drive along the roads hope to see him and meet him. They called him the Green Man. But they also called him Charlie No-Face. And this tale passed on for generation after generation after generation and to find out that there might not even be a Charlie No-Face. So I guess it's up to them to figure it out. But I don't know. It's just kind of an awe to me. If I was personally had a personal connection to that, I probably wouldn't be searching for something like that. I'd probably just kind of leave the guy to himself, but you never know. And my last one is talking about the graveyard shift. The graveyard shift, for anyone who doesn't know, is when you work the later hours at night. Um, working the latest sh- shift possible is never the best. Sometimes you're beyond tired, you're working super hard, but sometimes you get hit with something that makes you rub your eyes twice and check again. One of the stories I found is called The Midnight Calls. It starts off with, I'm a nurse that worked in a psychiatric hospital for five years. The place was haunted as, well, you fill in the blank. I'm not going to repeat the curse word. Police would call us in the middle of the night saying someone 
saying some little girl who identified herself as Santana was calling 911 from a certain extension in the hospital. But that extension was, it was the arts and crafts room. No one would go in there at night. No one, no one had access to that at nighttime. I assure you that there's obviously something in there, and 911 gets a call a lot, and it's not by us. There are a lot of other stories on this article. You should check them out, and they're all great. And while you're done doing that, go head over to our YouTube page and give us a follow. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook to stay up to date with Spooky South Coast. All right, that was Ashley Turner with The Week and Weird. And, uh, and look at that. We go and do the news, and we come back, and there's two more people in the studio. We have Stephanie's here now, and she's eating. And Porter's here now, and he's eating. So uh, <laughs> they're just waving. That's all right. We have cameras. So they can they can see that way as well, uh, but uh, and of course if anybody else wants to call in with any questions five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred, we do have a question a caller on the line, so we'll go to that call. Good evening, around Spooky South Coast. Hi, gentlemen. Uh, your program is fascinating as it covers all kinds of things, deep and wide. But I had just a quick, uh, maybe it's a trivial question for you and your uh, co-hosts, etc. I uh, recently was going through a box of books, and I'm a great reader. I can't read everything, but I have a book called Hollywood Ghosts. Oh, yeah. And uh, it's a thick paperback, but I was wondering if uh, you or your friends there uh, could um, recommend that I at least read um, a couple of ghost stories about that, and uh, who might you have in mind? Well, uh, I can tell you there's one great book. No, I mean actual Hollywood people with ghost stories, specifically. So, I got this book. So you want to know which which? Yeah, are there any which Hollywood ghosts? Cases? Are there any famous cases that you or your friends are aware of oh. in the studio? Oh yeah, there's uh, there's a number. There's uh, I think is it the Roosevelt Hotel? And there's a there's a hotel out in uh, in the Beverly Hills area where there's a mirror where uh, supposedly this mirror was once uh, owned by Marilyn Monroe. Mm. And if you stand in the lobby of the hotel and you stare in the mirror, apparently Marilyn Monroe will show up in that mirror. And a lot of people have had uh, have had these experience uh, had this experience before. To the point where there's photos all over the internet that people have taken of themselves in the mirror. That's an amazing one. It have is. You it's got the another Rose- one I should look up. The Roosevelt Hotel. Uh, I'm trying to think of what else they might have in that book. Oh, there's so many oh, different. Yeah. Do you have that book? I don't. Uh, I've I've done some research into Hollywood ghost stories uh, for the TV shows that I've worked on. There's a lot of um, deaths in Hollywood. You know, there's a lot of stars who meet untimely deaths, and, and so that's left an impact on a lot of those places. Yeah. Well, I'll check out that one about Marilyn Monroe for sure. I mean, if if I ever looked in the mirror and Marilyn Monroe showed up in the mirror, I'd, I'd be pretty happy about that. But some people get really freaked out by it. So, <laughs> All right. Thank you very much. Have a good night. And if anybody else wants to call in with a question, a thought, a comment, 508-996-0500. 877-996-1420. How was, uh, how was the event? It was awesome. Oh, hold on. I thought I pressed the button. There we go. No, you didn't, but now you <laughs> did. <laughs> the, uh, th- that theater is great. It was actually really nice, and um, right when I walked in there, there was a ton of energy in there, so I, apparently I wasn't the only one that noticed it. So, so very true. 
You, did you did you have something happen, Porter? Something that you want to share? Or yeah, sure, I can share it. You know, the one thing uh, I just lost my uh, ears, so I can't hear myself now. I think she rolled over your cord. I did not. She keeps trying to cut my cord. The deal is here. But I was um, when we were first in there. Uh, I was sitting this back in the back of the room with uh, one of our friends, Heather, and. Um, as we were standing there, I saw something out of the corner of my eye, and it looked like a shadow person that just walked right through the door, right into the room. And uh, Heather noticed it as well. And, and I looked at her, and I said, did you see that? She goes, yeah, did you see that? <laughs> so, you know, it started right off the bat. And uh, then as as the night went on, it got uh, it got a little little spookier. There definitely is, like, I, I think being so close to the theater, uh, being so close to the river probably helps. You've got, you know, this, this rolling water of the Blackstone River, which there's a lot of haunted locations all along that river. Yes. Mm-hmm. So that's what's feeding into Slater Mill. That's what's feeding into a, a number of different hauntings all, all around there. So I don't know if it's that the theater is haunted per se or if it's just that everything around there is just charged up. I, uh, it could be both, honestly. We, I can tell you, though, uh, there, there have been – there's been at least I – can, I can say with, with confidence – that there has probably been at least how many people does that seat? 150. That theater, I think. But I honestly don't know. So there was there was 150 murders that happened in that theater. Really? really? Yes. Because the night that we debuted that. an evening of ghost stories and New England mm-hmm. legends, we killed. <laughs> we just killed it that night. You are so corny. Killed everybody. So there was an awful lot of setup for that joke. But uh, uh, no, but that's that's just a great place, and uh, and certainly going into it with, you know, what your event was all about, it's going right. to put out nice, good, positive vibes. It did, it did. So we had a great time. We had a, a little Christmas event, and I did a gallery reading, and Dustin did his uh, magical mystery box, but it was a Christmas version, so that was awesome, and everybody seemed really happy. We had a, a little. You know, mingle time at the end, and everybody was having eggnog and punch and cookies and pie, and you know, everybody just Dustin seemed so happy. A lot of pie. Yeah, I I did make him stop and buy his own pie because I wasn't sure what pie to get because I don't eat pie as often as he does. He eats he eats pie more than anybody I know. Right. It's, and he, but he works it off, so it, <laughs> right. it doesn't have the uh, ne- negative effect like it does on me. <laughs> uh, one of the um, one of the good things too about about holiday time is that you know if if loved ones are wanting to kind of reach out to us, this right. is this is a good time of year to do it because a right. lot of us are getting together, so we're all in one place, and it's a good place for if anybody wants to come back and visit. Everybody's kind Now's of all gathered together, yeah. Right, and it's it's a tough time for grief around the holidays too, with you know people worrying about, um, you know, whether it's missing their past loved ones or finances or anything like that that weigh on us heavily in this this season. It's a great time to connect with a a past loved one and, um, you know, have that that validation and uh, that reassurance that they are around, they are watching over us, they are guiding us, and they do love us. And uh, just a little bit of a note for for that last caller, uh, Mama Cheryl messages and says that Montgomery Clift also plays the bugle at the Roosevelt Hotel. There you go. So there's another ghost story from the same location. Mama Cheryl is amazing. I was just talking to her on my way home. We tried to get the Roosevelt Hotel for, uh, it was either Ghost Stalkers or Ghost Asylum. Did you? And they're like, nope, nope. We're not shutting down for a night. Are you kidding? You know how much money we make off these rooms? Oh my goodness. But uh, it's a, it's a, 
apparently it's a great place to stay. So awesome. At least if you're into the ghosts, I, I don't know about the who's not into ghosts. The full experience of being there, but uh, you know, we've been we've been talking about a couple of different topics tonight. We were talking about uh, the the question came up about in North Andover in the Parson Barnard house. Okay. About that darkness that had enveloped us and was just insane. And one of the questions that popped up in the chat room was what the walls were made out of. And it's just it's it's just a pure wood attic. Mm-hmm. So it's not like there was anything there that would have kind of uh, made it darker than it would have seemed. But uh, we do have a new thing that we started tonight, Stephanie, that you should Did be aware you? of. Okay, talk to me. That uh, apparently when people ask a question now in the chat room, yep. they're going to ask the question in all caps. Okay. So when you go into the chat room, you know, next time you're here and we have the laptop set up and everything and you're in the chat room and you see the all caps, don't think that anybody's yelling at you. Okay, perfect. That's just, this is what the chat room people wanted to do as a way to make us see the questions stand out a little bit more. So if we want to go roll back through, we can see them stand up. But uh, there's, of course, there's a question for Porter in the chat room already. Of course there is. And uh, Jim wants to know what your thoughts are on the creature or thing at the Old South Pittsburgh Hospital in Tennessee. Ooh, the creature or thing. You know, there's there's several different things there, and it's the place is so active. I mean, it's just it's crazy active, and and no matter where you're at, there you're going to run into something. Uh, I'm assuming he's talking about the one that's on the second floor upstairs, uh, the dark entity that goes back and forth between the rooms. Uh, that thing is 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 pretty grouchy. You know, it uh, it likes to avoid people. Um, you know, it's it's it gives you glimpses of what it is, uh, whatever the case, whatever it may be. Uh, but I've I've had uh, the opportunity back years ago, oops, crash, party file. Um, but uh, I've had a, had a case uh, to be there with a group of people years ago, and um, several people with me, twelve or fifteen in the group, and they experienced this thing. It kind of walked across the hallway in front of us. We saw it in the laser grid. Uh, it, was a, it was a shadow figure of some type. And as we talked about it, it came back out in the hall and turned and looked at us, and then came straight in the hall at this group and then growled. Uh, and everyone heard it. That was the craziest thing. It wasn't just one person that heard it or a couple. It was everyone there in the group heard it, and then it just retreated back down the hallway, kind of just to give us a warning to be quiet and leave it alone. But it's it's pretty grouchy. See, and I, I think that that is something that we don't always take f- into account when we go into these places. You know, we're all excited because we get the chance to go to this awesome haunted place that we've been thinking about going on, and, like, we never consider the possibility that whatever's there just might not want to be bothered that night. Mm-hmm. You know, that we're actually invading. Like, I look at it like this, and uh, and and I say this all the time, and, and people laugh at me, but would you want somebody just walking into your house, uninvited, right. shoving a, a camera or a recorder in your face and asking you questions mm-hmm. about your, you know, how'd you die? Yeah. You know, like, it's it's kind of rude what we do. Yeah, it really is. And, and I think that one of the unique things about, you know, us is that, you know, we, we kind of put our spin of our, our own ho- southern hospitality to our investigations you know we introduce ourselves and 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 say hey we're going to come in kind of give the fair warning you know let them know what's going on and then and kind of warm up to the conversation and we try to steer away from you know we, we do the basic questions but i think that they get that so much you know especially this day and age where everybody's into ghost hunting or paranormal investigating they get those standard questions all the time are you here with us you know how'd you die how's your mom and them you know all that stuff and it's just kind of like it's 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 repetitious for them so if you can kind of branch out a little bit and throw some uh, some very um, you know stimulating questions out there, you may get an answer. 
just like what you saw with us in Gettysburg on Haunted Towns. Uh, you know, it was you know, asking a question about who was the leader of the country that stayed across the way in the hotel and addressed the nation at the end of the war. And our EVP was so clear and complete, Abraham Lincoln, uh, you know, that's the, that's the greatest kind of answer you can get. And it was probably something that the spirits there were happy to talk about, you know, yeah. and not like, you know, how did you die? Right. Who killed you? <laughs> And, uh, you How know, do you like, feel about being dead? Like, like <laughs> Mo- Moniz's questions. I mean, we laugh when he does it, but his line of questionings is always to come in and says, listen, people love to talk about themselves, mm-hmm. and they love to talk about what it is that they like. So he will go in and he'll start an EVP session by asking, what's your favorite food? What's your favorite mm-hmm. color? Yep. Just little conversational warm-ups before you get to the big ones. Right. Instead of just walking in there and, you know, demanding answers to a question, mm-hmm. being it's gruesome. actually having a conversation. It's awful when people are just so... So morbid. Yeah. Well, but in some cases, you know, the the other side of that coin is if they only have so much energy to be able to communicate with us, let's get right into it. Let's not pussyfoot around and just jump right into the hard stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, I look at it like this, too, because being a journalist, if I'm going out to the scene of a crime, mm-hmm. you know, the first thing that I'm going to go up and ask somebody when I stick the microphone in their face isn't, you know, what did you have for lunch today? It's tell me what happened. Tell right. me tell me what you saw. Tell me how this affected you. You know, so in some ways there's there's that aspect, too, if you're going to get the the emotional response as well. So there's certainly different ways of looking at it. Chrissy says she missed me tonight. Yep. So. Yep, I got to hang out with her, Miranda. That's, that's one. One? <laughs> one, one person? One person that missed me. I missed you, Tim. Thank you. There's you. two. I uh, he nice. forced me to come here because he missed you so much. It's nice to be missed. I just thought it's because because you got him going with the Wendy's now every time he that comes up. That was not there. my idea. That was actually not me. We got him hooked on the. Are there are there, Wen, are there he, Wendy's down in Tennessee? Oh had, yes. Okay. He had a bad experience tonight. With Wendy's? No. No. He, with me. I was going to say not yet. He just started. Give him she, an hour or so, she, then she kind of zapped me over there though at the uh, at the event. I didn't zap you. I don't know what you did, but it like made me sick. I was like. Headache, shaking, and arms tingling, sick at my stomach, and all kinds of stuff going on. Did you did you go to the hospital? That sounds serious. Sounds like where I need to be. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds like it's a little bit beyond psychic. It was kind of crazy. I've explained to him over the course of the past six months what it's like when I do readings, and I mean probably in depth. We talked yeah. about this a lot because we talk a lot about you know how you feel when you go something or all these different mm-hmm. things, and I explained to him what the physical feeling is like when you're about to start doing something like that. But a gallery reading, it's even more because you're inviting everything into the room at one time mm. and you have to deal with it. So I told him he had to go and hide in the back so that way he didn't distract me. I didn't read him, anything like that, um, which I do with, like, Heather did the same thing. She was off and hidden. Um, and, you know, because you've been in that theater, like, they set up all the chairs in the front toward the stage and then you have that big space in the back. And, um, and I didn't. I could see, like, the top of his bald head, but that was it. And But I didn't realize the reason that's all I could see was because he was looking in his lap the whole time because he thought he was going to barf. So I I described it, but somehow I, the only way that I can describe is that you've spent so much time with me that mm-hmm. you're just in tune with my energy at this point. But he felt everything that I feel when I go through it. I'm just used to it. Mm-hmm. You, sure, you sure it just wasn't the cheeseburgers? That just happened. That okay. was just now. This was All hours right. ago. <laughs> All right. We do have a call here on the line. Uh, we'll try and squeeze it in in the few minutes that we have left. Good evening. You're next on Spooky South Coast. Hey, Tim. It's Colleen. Hey, how you doing? Happy belated. I'm, thank you very much. 
I was listening to uh, the show last week, and you and Erica seem to be wondering about a couple of things uh, that were in place at the Borden House, and I was hoping maybe I could use this opportunity to clear them up for you. Is sure. that okay? Absolutely. You just have to remind me of what it is that I was questioning, because I don't remember yesterday, let alone last week. <laughs> of course I will. <laughs> so one of the things that uh, you guys were talking about was uh, why John Morris may have been sleeping in the guest room just that one time where he had always slept upstairs on the third floor. And one of the things that I have generally thought about it, especially giving all those tours in the house, that third floor, third floor room that's near Bridget's room didn't have a window in it. Ah. And so my thought has always been it had been pretty hot that week. I mean, not scorching like right, a but lot it's still of people August, will have yeah. you believe, but in the 80s. And that downstairs guest room has windows on two separate walls. It would have picked up any breezes a lot more readily. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Thanks. And um, Also, it's a little weird. Remember. It's a little weird when you leave them alone upstairs with the maid, too, isn't it? It's kind of funky. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, but, you know, and this this is purely hearsay rumor. There's always been a little bit of a theory that maybe there was a thing with Bridget and John Morris. I've never been one to believe it. But, it, you know, it would be another reason why he might have slept up in that room. Mm-hmm. And they did always keep a metal bed up in that little tiny room. Okay. See, I, I uh, one, like I said, I was thinking, you know, 21st century, all I was thinking was bathroom. I didn't even, never even dawned right. on me that there would have been a room there. Right. And the other thing that uh, you and Erica were discussing, and I feel really bad because when I gave her her tour of the house when she was researching the book, I didn't mention, like I normally would, what all the bathrooms in the house had been before, uh, you know, in 1892. And so I forgot to mention that the bathroom on the second floor was the closed press. Okay. And that's where, um, you know, that's where Lizzie and Emma kept their stuff. One last thing. You guys were talking about Bridget. And Bridget, you know, maybe saying to Mrs. Borden, you know, I kind of know stuff. You go up and make some bed up there. Mm -hmm. Um, Lizzie and Emma took care of their own rooms on the second floor. Mrs. Borden actually always had taken care of the guest room and hers and Andrew's rooms. They didn't want Bridget up on the second floor for privacy reasons. So her duties were predominantly confined to the first floor. That makes sense. That's true. She she would have had her own own back staircase and never even have to really interact with them at all. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that part of, you know, I think a, a big part of that um, telling is that Lizzie and Emma never bothered to learn her real name. Right. You know, that's very telling that they wouldn't have wanted her association on that second floor at all. That helps huge. And uh, and I'll also be thinking about that the next time that I go as well. I'll be like, right. cool. I'll, I'll know not to try to, you know, invite her down to the second floor. Like, yeah, they don't want you here. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Th- thank you so much for the info. Thanks, Tim. Have a good Bye-bye. night. And, uh, yeah, so that's that's definitely helps with last week's uh, episode. Uh, and if you haven't checked it out, I know Matt put the video up. I still have to put the audio up. 
but we'll get that up there this week. We're a little lagging behind. Mattress nodding at me. Yeah. <laughs> so, but the <laughs> video, the video is up. The video is up. The video is up. Yep. Okay. All right. So we'll make sure we get the audio up as well. Uh, we've got about a minute left here. We're going to be on. We'll be on for the next couple of weeks. You've, yeah. I know you've got one of these weeks. Don't you have a holiday party coming up? Or next week. Okay. So, but I'll be back after that. And we'll be here. We'll be doing holiday specials and all that stuff. And we'll maybe we'll even do. We we haven't done that prediction episodes before. Mm, like, no, it's no, it's not. It's not. It's not like you have to come in here and actually do psychic lifting. Oh, okay. It's like it's like bogus predictions that we just make. Okay. We're like, oh, this is the year. That this is the year that they're gonna find Bigfoot this year. You know, stuff like that. Just goofy <laughs> oh, stuff. We, oh, this we, sounds fun. Yeah, we do like paranormal year in review, like what right, happened in the last year and what we think will happen in the next year. We, we also talk about things that we're gonna do with the show and that we never that we do. never do. Yeah. Right. That's that's so, also, no, I'm making. That's also do it fun. This year. Yeah, but it's fun that this is. Yeah, this is to oh, so, like gosh. just say when we're gonna do stuff and not do it. This is uh, what we call the New Year's resolution portion of Spooky South Coast, <laughs> where we come up with all these ideas. Yeah. And then never carry out any of them. Ooh, I may have to call in for that one. <laughs> although, although this week, this year we have the chat room to make us, to remind us every week to do it. Hold you accountable. That's right. true. And now that Matt's found a way to put it on screen, it's even worse. We, oh we won't be able to escape it. All right. That does it for this week's show. For Matt, for Matt, for Stephanie, for Porter, I'm Tim. We want you all to stay spooktacular. <laughs>